Today is a special day, and we get to honor our seniors who are graduating from high school and college. So I know three of them are here, so if you're one of those folks we're going to honor, come on up here. Don't be shy. Everybody is watching you. As they come forward, though, um, I think it's an awesome thing to, you know, celebrate them. And this year we did things a little bit differently. I had each of them send me a photo of themselves. Um, and those photos, you seem to go the furthest away, like walked around. Are you, are you afraid? <laughs> um, and they sent me a photo, and then I asked them some questions, because I know in the past um, it's been a little awkward for myself. Even though I've seen the high school students and spent some time with them, oftentimes um, what they say six weeks out, six months out, isn't necessarily where they're going to college or necessarily the same major they're going to have. So sometimes I find out right on the spot, like, oh, you said you're going to BG. I thought, now you're going to UT. Oh, you said this was major. Oh, so I asked them those questions up front this year. So I'm excited to get to share what they're going to be doing. I'm going to ask them to share it, though. I'm going to ask them to share anything that they would like to share about either the college experience, the high school experience, things they're looking forward to, all of that. Um, and then we have a card for them and then a little memento for them. So the one person that isn't here, and I know Dan Savage has the photo, it's of Scott. So could you get the lights for us so maybe we can see? I'm sorry, Tom. I just like Tom to get his workout. This way he doesn't have to do a workout anymore on um, today. So our first guy that can't be here, something about being in South Dakota, and now I think he's in Wisconsin. Um, but Scott couldn't be with us. He graduated from uh, the University of North Dakota, and he graduated last Saturday, summa cum laude. I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm going to guess that means with honors, right? Maybe you could share a little bit more about what that does mean. 4.0. So he's very intelligent. That's awesome. And this actually makes me even more thrilled because he went into commercial aviation. So he's going to be flying the planes that we are all going to be getting on. So him having a 4.0 makes me feel much more happy about that. <laughs> he had a minor in history. This summer he is interning in Oshkosh, Wisconsin with uh, Experimental Aviation Association. So my guess is he's probably going to be doing some flying, some other jobs there. And then he is going to be returning to University of North Dakota, and he's going to be a flight instructor next year. So if you see Scott, I'm sure he's going to be back sometime this summer. I'm sure that he'll want to warm up. I'm sure it's much colder up there and come back and see his family. But if you see Scott, congratulate him. That's an awesome accomplishment. The next guy we have is Corey Norris. Now, he sent me this photo, and I couldn't help but say, really? Really? I, I, I don't think I need to say where he went to college at. But if, if you're going, I'm not sure. He went to the Ohio State University. I've been told if you leave out the or the. Yeah. What? I know you did. I know you did. I know you put it in there. And, and I, I learned a lot about Corey just by when I asked him, why did you go there? This is what he wrote. I went to Ohio State or OSU because it is the most well-recognized universities worldwide. Degrees from Ohio State carry a lot of weight in the job market, and almost every department is ranked among the top globally 
and of course because of the Buckeyes. Now I was thinking the Buckeyes candy, but I'm guessing it's the, the football team, right? So we are excited that you went there. I am not a Michigan fan. I'll just put that out there. I just like harassing you. And I know your dad well, so he harasses me quite a bit. But we are excited about you graduating. Your major was International Studies, Security, and Intelligence. That also makes me feel very good that we have such a good guy going into such a field as that. So uh, your minor is in Russian and Slavic Eastern European Studies. Now, I wanted to ask this. Could you, like, say hello or, like, say something in Russian? Can you say that a little louder? Okay, excellent. So we know that he knows that. Um, <laughs> because I don't think anybody here is going to say you're wrong. <laughs> Some of the favorite things he has to do are football Saturdays, um, friendships, and very unique classes. What was your most unique class? Okay, I think our ideas of fun are totally different. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad. And something unique about yourself was you met the love of your life at Ohio State University. Now, the little bit I know about your fiancé, and congratulations, too, on that, is isn't she from P Pettisville? You had to go to Ohio State University to find her. That's kind of unique. That's an awesome thing. Congratulations, Corey. Congratulations. Is there anything you want to tell us? <laughs> Try hard first year? Okay, okay. Our next person is Jesse Meyer. Um, you are going where? <laughs> you, you couldn't miss the. And why did you choose that? That's awesome. That's awesome. And I hear you get really good deals on tickets, too. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be majoring, as you said, in psychology and criminology. What does that mean? Oh, you study people. Okay, excellent. That's a good thing. And your favorite things to do are running, rollerblading, cooking, and baking. And I, I can't help but harass you and say, what's the difference between cooking and baking? Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you're very pleased with that. Now, if you ever need an experimental person to bake cookies for, I will put myself out there for you, okay? Okay, congratulations on everything you did in high school. Is there anything you want to share with us? Okay, that's fine. And then our last person is Sammy up here. Sammy, Sammy was the reason why I, I said they may change things. Because I think Sammy actually, from when I talked to her last to what she sent me, I, am I wrong when I think that changed? No? Okay, it didn't change? I thought you said you were oh, going yeah, to beat. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought last I talked to you, you were going to Bowling Green. Okay. You're going to UT, and um, you're... Undecided education major. That means you're going to be a teacher, right? Awesome. Awesome. And so that means you're going to have to get used to being in front of crowds. Right. Uh, that's good. <laughs> and some of your favorite things to do are cheerleading, watching Tigers baseball games, and spending time with your family and friends. Those are all awesome things to do. Awesome things to do. Have, have the Tigers been keeping you on your toes this year? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, they've been keeping us all on our toes this year, haven't they? And some interesting things, and I found, I found, found this very interesting. You were a cheerleader from kindergarten all the way through your senior year, and you were the captain this year. So that's an awesome thing. Congratulations. Is there anything you want to share with us? <laughs> Not high school songs. Oh, oh, the time going fast. Okay. 
Okay, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, wanna, I want to, us to uh, stand, and I, I, I would really like us to be praying for um, Scott and Corey as they go on and find jobs. I'd really like us to be praying for Jesse and Sammy as they go off to college and, you know, take that next step in growing up. So please, everyone, stand with us, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for um, just the ability to go to college, ability to study, the ability to um, learn more. Lord, I know that each and every um, one of these students, uh, these young men and young women, have been called to the career that you're calling them to. And Lord, we would just uh, pray for them as they find jobs, as they go to college. Pray for wisdom. Pray for um, that knowledge, that those studies to come easily, Lord. And most importantly, we would just pray that this would be a time when they would draw closer to uh, those friends and those family and ultimately you at the same time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as, the, as I was handing them out, I handed them a card, but inside that, uh, on the outside of that card, I handed them a door hinge. Now, that isn't something that normally when you go to a party, you're like, oh, I really hope they give me a door hinge. I really hope, I really hope. I have a set at home, and you know, if I get three more of these, then I can have, you know, n- not at all. So, what, what we're going to be doing is uh, talking about this hinge, and I came, a, I was reading a book this, about a week ago, and it really explained the hinge well. If you take one part of the hinge, and you attach it to the door frame, that door frame is attached to your house. And I'm not, by no means a master carpenter, by no means am I even good at this stuff, but I know if you don't attach that door hinge well to the rest of the house, the door won't stand. And really, that is your base and we are forming our base each and every day as we jump into God's Word, as we pray, as we're in the Bible. We're forming that base. We're making that strong door hinge. So we attach that. And then we attach this to ourselves. And, you know, as we attach this to ourselves, we're attaching plans, we're attaching ideas, we're attaching this to ourselves. And we're really that door. But the thing that ultimately makes that door swing well is the pin, is that pin. And that pin is God. That, and without that, having that strong pin, without having God in our lives, realistically, that door would fall off the track and it wouldn't be very good. So um, just keep that picture, that door hinge, because uh, we're going to continue down that path as I talk today. And, you know, in my own life, I've had a number of run-ins with a door hinge. I think we all have had run-ins with doors. I know growing up, um, there's three stories that come to my mind. Um, I'd like to say I'm proud of all of them, but probably the one, the first one I'm not very proud of. I learned when I turned 16 that there was a reason why my parents never oiled the door in our house. I always would kind of like, would open it and it'd squeak and... And I always was like, that's so dumb. Why don't we just oil that? And yet, I was a kid, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to take the time to really oil this. And everybody out here is smiling because they see where this is all headed. I'll never forget the first time I showed up at 12.01, because my curfew was 12, and I opened the door, and you're just trying to be so quiet. You're quiet, quiet, quiet. And you're like, and all of a sudden, you're And you're like, oh! And it's that squeak from that horror movie, it's that squeak from, like, you know everyone just heard it. And I, I realized really quickly that I needed to take it upon me 
to oil that door that night. So I went and I oiled that door. The other, um, I guess, run-in with a door was in our first house. I'll never forget it. We, bought, we lived um, next to my grandma uh, when we first got married. We lived there for about a year, and then we bought a house, and uh, we had all our furniture, and we were so excited to be moving into this house. And we got there, and we're starting to move stuff in, and we're noticing stuff isn't going through the door. So what we had to do is we had to take the pin out and take the door off. And I will never forget, the last item we had to pull in was our couch. And we're moving it all which directions, not going in. And that was the only time in my life where I thought, I'm going to have a couch in my garage. I'm going to have a couch in my garage. And we did what every uh, smart, intelligent young man like myself would do. We just got more guys behind it and ran at the door opening harder and got it in. And my mother-in-law is laughing because she remembers that very much so. So that was my second run-in with a door. My last run-in with the door was actually at the house we are in now. Uh, we, we looked at it. We went through it. It had all of its flaws, all of its, you know, horrible things. But I never realized until we actually had bought the house that we had never went through the front door. They'd always open the garage door, and we'd always went through the back door. And I didn't really think that was very odd at all. You know, what, you know, what, what, how does it, why does it matter how you get into the house? Until, until we actually took possession of the house, and we walked up, and I unlocked it. And I'm pushing at the door, and it's not moving. And then, so I'm like, okay. So I pushed it hard, and the door kind of like went like this and kind of fell off its track, and I'm like, oh, no. So I had to pick the door up and walk and set it down because the two hinges were just totally ripped out, totally destroyed. So now you're thinking, what does this have to do with church? What does this have to do with church? This has a lot to do with church because ultimately in our own lives, we have squeaky hinges. We have some things that are squeaky sometimes. We have those doors that ultimately sometimes need to be taken off their hinges and things need to be moved in and things need to be moved out of our lives. And sometimes in our life, just like that last example, we have doors that are just falling off, they're decaying, they're just not in good shape. And as I was thinking about what to preach um, on, really Proverbs 3 came to my mind. And if you have a Bible, open it to Proverbs 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Uh, we'll have somebody grab you a Bible. But that's where we're going to be jumping into today, Proverbs 3. And as you're turning there, the Proverbs, um, a little bit of history on the book. I always find that it's good to know the history on the book. Um, I see my resident scholar, I'm going to pick on him. Uh, Bookie, we call him, is his nickname. I don't see him anywhere. Bookie? He's helping the kids. Okay, well, I'm going to brag about a student. I'm going to brag on one of my senior high students. When we're in uh, senior high... He is, the, he is, Sam, is the guy that we go to. We've named him Bookie because if we have a question about who wrote the book, what the history of the book is, we just say, Bookie, give us the history. And he always gives us the history. He is probably 99.5% accurate on all of it. So he's just an awesome guy. So if you ever have a question on the Bible, I'll give you his number. You can text him. He probably is going to be embarrassed as all get out that I'm actually bragging on him, but is an awesome, awesome thing. Uh, so some history on it. 
some history on the book of Proverbs. Uh, the book of Proverbs was written by the guy by the name of Solomon. And I don't think I really need to explain much about Solomon, but he is the wi- what we are told the wisest person ever to live. And he wrote the book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. Um, wrote those three books. And basically, the reason they call it Proverbs is a proverb is a bit of wisdom. It's a saying that if we were to follow in our life, we will have, we'll gain wisdom. And the reason I love the Proverbs so much is there are 31 of them, and you can read a proverb every day of the month. And so you open it up, and if it's, you know, they, they designed the system, of course, for me. If it's the 19th, which it is today, you flip to the 19th proverb, you read that, and you think, wow, I just got a little bit of wisdom in my life. The only flaw I've found is February only has 28 days, four, three times, a, three times, yeah, every three years, and then four, um, 29 every four years. You have to read three or four of them that day. But that's the only problem I found. But that little nugget of wisdom that proverb gives me each and every day, I have found tremendously beneficial. So that's a little bit about Proverbs. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? The difference between our high school kids and um, really ultimately success in life, and all of us success in life is we all have knowledge imparted to us in, in school, in high school, but really wisdom is taking that knowledge and applying it in our life. And that's really where the proverb comes in. So I'm going to read um, Proverbs 1 through 12. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store up my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let uh, loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deeply within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people. You will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will and all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you, will ha- then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fulfill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child whom he delights. And I think we've all heard uh, verse 5 of that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. And those first four verses really set the stage. They're really uh, some things that you can impart. And I think each and every one of us growing up were imparted that knowledge of we should be kind to other people around us. We shouldn't take things that aren't ours. We should, you know, go out of our way to care for people around us. And really, when we apply those things in our life, that is, you know, taking the first step. But verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, what does trust mean? Trust is that bond that a, te- a sports team has. You know, when the coach comes up with a play, trust is saying, you know what? I know that everybody on the football team, I know everybody on the basketball team, whatever team it is, I know they're going to fulfill their part of the plan. 
And I know that when I catch the ball and I go to pass it, that person is going to be there. I shouldn't have to look and stop and plant and go, okay, okay, that person, well, they're there. I shouldn't have to, if I'm the quarterback on a football team, know that when I throw the ball, the receiver is going to, you know, turn and he's going to run his route. I shouldn't have to do that. That's that trust that he's talking about. And he's talking about placing that trust in God, that same trust. And a lot of times, as uh, our high school students graduate, as we move through life, there are times when God tells us to do something, and we're going, God, do I really trust you with this next step in my life? I know that you're calling me to do this, but do I trust you to take that step? And a lot of times where I see this happen is a high school person graduates, and they're going to college, and they sit down with their, uh, you know, their academic person, the person that's going to plan their first school year, plan out what's going to happen, and they either say a couple of things like, you know what, I want a job where I'm going to make lots of money. Yeah, I know God is calling me to do this, but I really don't want to do that. I want to do this because I heard that this person makes this much money. And really, they're at a crossroads. Do I trust God that God has given me this ability that God has given me this calling, that God has given me all the tools, or am I going to follow what the world says is successful in money? Do I really trust God? That's, that's what he's saying. Do I trust God to lay down the things that he has given me, the abilities? Or do I trust that, you know, I read online that they said that this is the top 10 careers and you, that the person online says you're going to make $100,000 if you go into this and do that because there's this need for it. And, you know, a lot of times we kind of chuckle at that. But I think if we're honest, sometimes that's the reason why people pick their careers. They think, you know, I can make a lot of money doing this. I don't really care that, you know, I really like doing X. I would much rather do this because I'm going to make some money. And what happens is they get out and I think we all know somebody that gets out of college and they're thinking, yeah. And you ask them, so what are you going to do? And they're like, well, I have this degree, but I really don't like this. And they've learned that they don't like it, but yet they could go into it and make a lot of money. And so what he's saying is trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, if God has given you this ability, if God has given you this talent, trust in him, go to college, work it out, and ultimately, he's going to reward you for that. And ultimately, you're going to be a lot happier. I mean, we, we all know, I mean, I, I hope we all know that money doesn't seek happiness. If we make a lot of money, that doesn't mean we're going to be happy. I mean, I can go online and I can type in the Google, does money solve happiness? And there will be people that are immensely wealthy that would say, money didn't solve anything for me. But there are people that went into a career that God had called them into, and they may not have everything they want, but they are happy. And really, that's what he's saying here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, you know, give, give that trust to him. And I love what he says, do not depend on your own understanding. Because a lot of times, we depend on our own understanding. We depend on the understanding of Google. And we have decided that, you know, if there's an article online and it says that we can do this, this, and this, then Google must be right. And what he's really saying is, and other versions say this, they say, don't lean, lean on your own understanding. And there's two times in the Bible where this is used. 
And one is Saul is getting ready to lean on his spear and do himself in. And so, you know, sometimes when we lean on our own understanding, we're getting ready to do ourselves in. We're saying, you know, Google said that I should do this. My friend said I should do this. So I'm going to lean on that. And ultimately, the spear is going to go right through us. And we're going to do ourselves in. We're not going to be happy. We're not going to be happy. The other time it uses this is in the New Testament where uh, a person who has leprosy is leaning on another person. And we're leaning on another person. We're not leaning on God. We're not trusting in what God is telling us. So the first thing I would commend our college, our high school students that are graduating is trust in the Lord. Trust in what you're, either you went to college for, that, that that is what God is calling you to do. Lean on Him. Don't just, you know, say, I need a job, so I'm going to do whatever, you know, and I'm just going to go wherever the biggest paycheck is. You know, lean on what He called you to do. And that doesn't mean that you might not have to take that job that you don't want to pay your bills, but that means, you know what, keep looking. Keep looking for what ultimately God is calling you to do. We're going to jump to verse 6. It says, Seek His will and all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Seek His will. Uh, I looked, I, I, I was trying to be real clever and come up with another, you know, word or an acronym or something that we could all remember, and I couldn't really come up with another one. Uh, that, that function didn't work too well, but seek is like searching. And um, my, my uh, little ones are in that hide-and-seek phase right now. Every night when we, I come home, they want to play hide-and-seek. And, seek. and I, I really like this stage because they're not hiding very well, and it doesn't take much for me to seek them. I mean, they are like right out there in the open, and if I'm even close, she jumps out and goes, Ah, you see me? And I'm going, I do now for sure. I do now. I don't like it when she hides with me, and somebody else is looking for me, though, because she gives us away. I mean, she jumps out and goes, I'm right here. And I'm going, you just gave away a great hiding spot. Darn it. So a lot of times I'll say, you go hide by yourself, and I'll go find a good hiding spot because I don't want to get found. But God's will isn't like me finding a good hiding spot. It isn't like that at all. God's will, a lot of times, we trip over, and we're like, man, who put that there? Get out of my way. And we keep going and we trip over it again. We're like, man, how does that keep getting out in front of me? And a lot of times, it's kind of hidden. I mean, I know that when I was in high school, I always thought the best job for me would be in a QB where no one would ever talk to me and I would be left alone. And it wouldn't take you very long to realize that my personality doesn't really fit the person that nobody talks to. You'd probably only need to talk to Rex or Sarah at the office and say something like, how long is Dan quiet for in the office? To realize that that would not fit my personality. If I don't say something or I'm not laughing probably every five to ten minutes, you know, they're like, are you okay? Are you sick? You know, is something wrong? And for me, you know, my, my calling ultimately wasn't something that was hard to see. It was something I kept tripping over. And something I kept saying, I don't want to do that. Get out of here. Get out of here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that each and every one of our callings are the same thing. If we just look at what we enjoy, what we have fun doing, we would see that, you know what, this is God's will. This isn't what necessarily 
will ultimately, you know, be the world's eyes of success, but this is what God has equipped me, and this is what God has called me to. And he'll show you which way to, with which path to take. You know, so many times it's like that trail in the woods we come across, and there's three or four different ways to go. And, you know, for me, whenever I'm doing that, I'm looking at the sign going, okay, this is the red path. This will take this long. This is the yellow path. This will take this long. And this is this path, which will take that long. And a lot of times, we base which path we take on how much time we have or, you know, how long we think it should take. And God isn't saying, hey, if you take the red path, which is 2.6 miles, it's going to take you X amount of time to get to your success. God is saying, just follow me. Seek my will. And when you seek my will, even though the path may say it's this long, it may be shorter, it may be longer. But ultimately, if you're happy and you're enjoying yourself along that path and you're seeking him, it doesn't matter how long the path takes. What matters is, are you happy while you're on that path? Verse 7, it says, Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 7 really just goes back to verse 5. I mean, as you think about it, verse 5 is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. The first part of verse 7 is don't be impressed with your own wisdom. A lot of times when we think we are trusting God or we think we're seeking God, we're impressed with our own wisdom. We're like, you know, God told me to do this and then God told me to do that. And, you know, I've been praying about this. And so many times in my own life, I will say those things because I know you're supposed to say those things. But ultimately, I'm kind of taking my path. I mean, I always make the joke that I've been praying for a long time for a Ferrari, and that Ferrari hasn't shown up. And I, I, I keep, that doesn't mean I quit praying about it. That means that, you know what, it probably isn't God's will. It probably isn't on my path. And even though I can keep trying to go down that path, that doesn't mean magically it's going to show up. And my guess is if it probably did magically show up, it's probably going to be about 60 years old and you need, need new tires and be up on blocks and need a motor and all that. It's not going to be in that great of shape, and I'm not really going to like that Ferrari that he sends me at that point. So I can't lead on my own wisdom. I can't lead on my own knowledge. And it says in the second part of that, instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I think if we're trusting him and we're seeking him, we are going to be turning away from those opportunities that look great, but ultimately have lots of landmines on them. And as I was thinking about this, it really made me think of all the countries in the world where they say there are landmine fields out there, and they're not necessarily always marked, but they are beautiful, lush areas that no one goes in. And if you were a stranger, you'd be like, man, I think I'm going to build a house here. But the people are like, no, don't go there. There's landmines in there. And, you know, when we follow our own wisdom, there's landmines. There's things that, there's obstacles. There's, you know, things that can blow us up and hurt us within our own selves that we don't even realize. So, as we get ready to close today, I think this is the, the part where the application really comes in. The, the door hinge. Are we firmly connected to that door jam? Are we firmly connected to God's word? Are we firmly connected to him? Are we praying? Are we doing everything that we can to make sure that those screws that we're ultimately going to hold our lives up are long enough? And so that uh, when, you know, maybe 
a person would go back 50 years from now, it hasn't pulled out from the door hinge. Are we connecting ourselves to the body of Christ? Are we, you know, doing those things? Are we in fellowship? Are we, you know, in Bible study? Are we, you know, coming to church? All those things that really connect us firmly this way. And ultimately, God is the pin that holds everything together. And that's, that doesn't mean that if you're in God's Word, if you are, you know, reading your Bible, that doesn't mean at times you're not going to be that squeaky door hinge. You know, we all have those points in our life when we need, you know, to be oiled. We, you know, we feel dry. We're like, you know, I'm in the Word, and it just, it doesn't seem to be coming to me. You know, those are those times when, if we're in fellowship with people around us, with the church, that people give us that good Word. They oil us. They are those people that help us out. You know, we don't want to be that door that, ha- that we- has the pins removed, pin removed, and ultimately God has to do something drastic to take the door off the hinges and put a new door on. You know, we don't want to think that we have everything planned out and totally ignore what God has called us to do just because we think that that's what needs to happen. And we, we want to be well connected. We want that pin to be in. And lastly, we don't want to be like that door of the house that we're in right now that is off its hinges and, you know, needs to be lifted and carried because that, that door right there, you know, even though I could fix it, it's still going to be weak. No matter how much glue I apply, no matter how much I fix it, unless I take the whole door out and put a new door jam in and a new door, it's never going to be 100%. It's never going to be very firm. So what does this mean in our lives? This means that, you know, we need to be connected. We need to be connected. And we need to be reaching out to the people around us. That'd be the first thing. We don't want to be squeaky. The second thing is, are we each and every day seeking God's will? Each and every day. You know, are, are we on the right path? And lastly, you know, is that path that we are on right now, is that the path that we need to continue on? So, worship team, would you come up and as I close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our college graduates. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom that you give us in the proverb. Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us would uh, trust you, that we would seek you, and ultimately we would follow you each and every day. Lord, I know that that's easier said than done. I know that that is ultimately uh, sometimes a winding road that doesn't get us where we want as quickly as we want. But Lord, we know that uh, you've called each and every one of us, you've equipped each and every one of us, and ultimately you'll see each and every one of us to the end. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for our, our graduates, and we pray that your blessing would be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.